0: Now, analysis and reaction. Here is NL News Director Shane Woodford on 610 a.m.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Overcast day here in Kamloops. Looks like it might get a little wet maybe. Feels a little bit like rain. Now, we've got a packed show for you. We're going to spend the whole front half with uh, my first guest who's in studio. We'll get to him in just half sec. The back half of the show, we're going to talk to uh, the Kamloops Central Business Improvement Association's Executive Director, Carl DeSantis. We'll also touch base with Todd Stone as he weighs in on some of his UBCM frustrations. Uh, but as you heard there, that's Ken Christian. The Mayor of Kamloops is in. He's going to take up the whole front half of the show. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing great. Pleasure to be here this morning. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see him. Um, you guys uh, had one of those long days yesterday. Not only council meeting all day, but uh, you ended some... Uh, public hearings last night, uh, two of the big ones, the landmark development across from TRU and secondary suites, I understand uh, off-air you're telling me is a pretty interesting meeting. Starting in the landmark, what uh, what was the sort of feedback and what's Council going to do on that front?
2: Yeah, so uh, with the landmark development, uh, they've had a, a fairly long and checkered history uh, related to parking around the uh, complexes there. There are four separate uh, complexes and uh, it's a mix between commercial and residential and the parking is seems to be a frustration between Customers of the commercial uh, operations and uh, tenants and visitors in the residential piece. So uh, last night's public hearing was uh, to convert uh, a couple of the uh, commercial units to residential in an effort to kind of uh, stem the need for parking. But uh, that was uh, pretty resoundly opposed by those that were there last night. Uh, city administration had recommended it, but council events eventually voted against it. Is that a sign of things? I mean,
1: I know that uh, the TRU area is kind of becoming a whole thing doing the reach up there. I'm seeing apartment buildings springing up. You you anticipate more of this kind of, I don't want to say fighting, but
2: more sort of concerns up there in this sort of direction or no? Yeah, it's growing pains. You know that that TRU precinct is really uh, another downtown in, yeah. in Kamloops and uh, you know we need to do things in and around uh, pedestrian safety uh, walkability uh, up there and uh, certainly uh, access uh, to the university and and between the university and residential beds so you know uh, there's a lot of work to be done and uh, I think this is just a symptom of uh, you know perhaps a bit of a false start in terms of uh, the early uh, attempts at this. So Kulo's developments behind the landmark thing what are they-
1: they, do. they They totally screw down? They go back to the drawing board? What's the, what's the sense there?
2: You know, that will be up to the developer. Mr. Koulos was there last night. He was actually the only person to speak in favor of it, <laughs> uh, and there were uh, countless people speaking against it. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I think that uh, he will likely be back in front of our development and engineering uh, office and and be looking for solutions uh, there. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate, but uh, this uh, sometimes happens. uh, And, uh, you know, you you have the best intentions when you come up with uh, parking uh, standards. But uh, it shows me that uh, when you're looking at perhaps social housing or student housing, you can get away with that one2 Uh, parking stalls per unit. But when you deal with high-end rental or or owner uh, multifamily, you're really dealing with people that have at least two cars. And I think that was the frustration we heard yesterday that uh, there was just no place to park around this uh, unit and uh, they were having... countless problems. Speaking of growing pains, well, one of the big issues that the city's tackling is, is the secondary
1: suites. Uh, I know uh, when I came up uh, three years ago and was shopping for a house, I was shocked at the number of illegal suites. It was almost virtually almost every home we looked at in Kamloops before we decided to buy had, a, had an illegal secondary suite in it. Uh, you guys are trying to tackle this problem. It is a bit tricky. It's a, it's a bit complex, but uh, you heard uh, that issue last night. Uh, what happened there?
2: Yeah, and then again, there was, there was good feedback uh, from the public last night. Uh, of course, this comes on the heels of a fairly intense uh, public consultation about a secondary suites. So we've had as many as 500 people out to talk about this over the course of developing these bylaw changes. So last night was the public hearing to actually change the bylaw. And uh, the council voted in favor of allowing uh, secondary suites uh, in uh, a broader category of zones throughout the city now. Uh, There was some concern about parking, uh, particularly stacked parking and, uh, you know, issues related to, you know, if you have a secondary suite in a cul-de-sac and now you have two extra cars, where are they going to go? And, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, some discussion about the uh, lot size, the minimum lot size that would be uh, recommended. But, I think we have to look at a couple of things. One is Camplan has uh, indicated that we want to densify this city. So let's make uh, no bones about it. We're going to be a tighter, more compact city in the future. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is the affordability of houses for uh, particularly first-time buyers. And when you have that mortgage stress test in place, Uh, you know 20% down is difficult so the potential of uh, buying a place that has a revenue stream coming out to help you with the mortgage makes a lot of sense and I think uh, that was ultimately what uh, swayed uh, council and we voted unanimously to expand the opportunity for secondary suites in the city.
1: In doing that how did you navigate the issue of because one of the concerns is you want these things to be safe. Uh, but a lot of these suites, as I mentioned, are illegal, so they're not necessarily built up to code, all that kind of jazz. And I know from talking in the past, one of the tricky things was finding a way to navigate bringing these suites in without, you know, sending bylaw officers out on mass to knock on doors and handing out fines and causing huge headaches for homeowners. Uh, it, with what you guys did last night, how did that, fa- how did you figure that out, part of it out?
2: Well, and that's to come, actually. Okay. The enforcement policy is something that staff uh, is working on, and they're going to bring that forward. It's been complaint-driven in the past, but as you point out, uh, you know we want people, particularly students, to have uh, safe accommodations. And when they're really pressured to find a roof over their head to start school in September, sometimes they let their standards slip. And <laughs> I think the city should really backstop that in terms of uh, life safety issues. So, uh, you know, fire issues, electrical issues, those kinds of things. So we have to find that balance and uh, our staff will be looking at best practices in other communities and, and coming forward with, uh, you know, some suggestions. And there will probably be a, a period of time to grandfather those existing sweet stocks into the new regime. Uh, on my agenda
1: here, I have um, Ken's shirt so you are wearing a uh, a lovely black uh, shirt with a, a gray stripe down the side and uh, over your your left part of your chest is Valley View Secondary School, Home of the Vikings. So why am I discussing your shirt?
2: Well, exactly that. Because today's our last show together, Shane. Yeah. And, and uh, I understand that you're leaving for Denmark. Yeah. And, So I thought it would be appropriate today to wear Valley View Secondary because it is the home of the Vikings, and you're heading to the home of the Vikings. (laughs) There we go. There you have it. (laughs)
1: Uh, UBCM, uh, you know, uh, there's a bit of a controversy swirling, uh, made a little more pertinent by some of the things China is doing is they have a little temper tantrum over our detention of uh, Meng Wanzhou, the uh, Huawei executive. Um, last night, uh, they decided to suspend all uh, beef exports from Canada as they continue to try and bully their way through this thing. So that's brought this this uh, reception China throws at UBCM every year into sort of sharper focus. You, I'm sure aware of Brad West's concerns. He wants it cancelled, says there's a lack of moral compass if we f- if we uh, forge ahead on this thing. We talked to Arjun yesterday. He says that the executive will discuss it mid July. Uh, what's your take? Should are you okay with it, or do you think it should be uh, should be scrapped? What's, what is your sense?
2: Well, you know, two things. I think we have to separate uh, China, the country, from Chinese Canadians, and we have, you know, a proud history here in Kamloops of uh, Chinese Canadians and and their work on the railroads and their work in developing uh, mercantiles in in early Kamloops and. Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, we have the Chinese cemetery here, and we're working hard with the government to be a uh, spoke in the uh, Canadian-Chinese history museum system. So there's that piece, and then there is the uh, real, uh, very apparent human rights violations of of, uh, nationalist China. So I think you have to kind of separate those a bit. but. At UBCM, uh, let's be clear, there are countless receptions. There's uh, you know, a CUPE reception and a Fortis reception and a, a BCLC reception, and you, and you can just go on and on and on. Yeah. This is one, and uh, it is actually... The only one by a country or a foreign government, though. It, it is the only one by a foreign government that I'm aware of, but... You know, uh, to the extent that there are a lot of uh, Chinese influences in other municipalities in British Columbia, I think that there would be a fair bit of support to maintain that. Uh, And then on the other side, as you point out, there are a lot of actions, particularly recent actions by the Chinese government, that are just really intolerable. So, you know, the UBCM executive will uh, put their best minds to that, and they'll come up with uh, some kind of a solution. Uh, I don't think for the uh, run-of-the-mill delegate it's going to make an awful lot of difference, but I, I do think it could be uh, a bit of a, a tempest in terms of protests yeah. uh, you know, related to that. So whether the UBCM wants to maybe avoid that uh, potential might be uh, something they should consider.
1: If they decide to forge ahead with it, just I don't know if you've ever been
2: to any of the ones in the past or not, but uh, would you go to this
1: one or would you sort of steer clear of it?
2: I would steer clear of it. Uh, you know, I have been in the past. I, I think I've been a couple of times to that reception. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe for 15 or 20 minutes, it is quite lavish. Uh, and uh, they do work the room. I mean, there's no uh, question that the Chinese consulate in Vancouver uh, is very, very active in terms of uh, networking and lobbying uh, government at all levels. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's there. But I think just in light of uh, the Huawei situation and... And now, as you point out, the uh, situation with uh, meat products in, in Canada and the impact that's going to have on Canadian ranchers, I don't think I could be, be there. Excellent.
1: Uh, Ken, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll continue our conversation with the Mayor of Kamloops on the other side.
0: RadioNL.com, local news now. The voice of your community. You're listening to Shane Woodford on 610 AM and RadioNL.com.
1: Good morning. welcome back to the Woodford Show. We're uh, talking to Camelot's Mayor Ken Christian. Uh, Ken the, uh, one of the things that Council did yesterday was uh, was begin the work to look at a downtown crosswalk turning into a rainbow crosswalk uh, to celebrate pride. Uh, we have a few of those around. matter of fact, there's one in the shopping center right across from the studio here. Uh, I believe there's three or four one at the airport. Uh, I believe there's one up in the TRU area somewhere. Uh, how important is this to you as far as, uh, as far as showing some support here?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it was important to counsel, and uh, we had Sam Numson in uh, President of Council's Pride uh, yesterday and it's Pride Month uh, in Canada, and later in the summer we'll have the Pride Parade uh, here. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Sam's uh, point was that uh, while there are I believe, uh, three crosswalks at TRU and a couple at the airport, and now two on private property here at the Lansdowne Center. Uh, There is none on uh, public uh, sidewalk uh, areas, so he wanted to see that. And um, we talked to staff. There's new... uh, guidelines for uh, crosswalks and particular crosswalk safety so what you're looking for uh, in these situations is a, a crosswalk where you have a high pedestrian traffic and fairly low vehicular traffic uh, because of uh, issues related to wear on the on the paint as well as safety issues so uh, you know he had some suggestions uh, you know the uh, crosswalk just uh Uh, on the bottom of 3rd at Lansdowne going across in front of the bridge that would carry you over to the Sandman Centre. Or he had another good suggestion about the one on uh, St. Paul leading into the farmer's market, Mm. which I think would be a a good spot as well. So uh, what we asked staff to do was, uh, first of all, get a hold of these new guidelines for how these should be constructed. Do the lines go across or do they go perpendicular to the traffic and then uh, ask them to look at locations that they might see uh, that would be uh, satisfying that need for uh, high pedestrian and relatively low vehicular traffic. yeah, um I'm not bothered by this issue at all, and
1: but there are some people who seem to be. Uh, we have some instances uh, for thankfully, hopefully never here, but so far not here. Uh, but in other places uh, in this province and across the country, people are defacing these crosswalks or ripping down pride flags and Honestly, there's more important things in life to get really worked in knots about, but uh, I know you've taken a couple of complaints, and I certainly took a weird phone call this morning. Um, Are you hoping that we don't see a kind of ugliness flare up here?
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, Kamloops is better than that, quite frankly, Shane. Uh, You know, I I suspect that there'll be people who are homophobic that will uh, reach out. There'll be people who, for religious convictions, will reach out, and there'll be others that don't like the price tag they'll reach out but you know the bottom line here this is an incremental cost it costs us to uh, put in a crosswalk whether it's uh, black and white or whether it's colored anyway so uh, let's be realistic about that and you know i think uh, what we want to do is is uh, as council and as community leaders uh, is to state that camlips is unequivocally a inclusive city, and and, uh, it's going to be inclusive of uh, all races, all sexual orientations, uh, people uh, from all walks of life, and uh, that uh, you're welcome here. And that's really what we want to say, and and I think... for the most part, the residents of Kamloops uh, get that, and uh, I uh, don't anticipate any backlash.
1: Yeah, and I hope not,
2: and I agree with you on the
1: inclusive thing. Uh, you talked to me about this, other. I wanted to bring it up on the air because I think it's interesting. I believe you are going to take a trip to the RCMP Depot in Saskatchewan, and you won't be alone. Uh, what's going on there? Why the trip, and who's going with you?
2: Yeah, that that's exciting. Uh, the Chief Superintendent, uh, Brad Hegley uh, out of the uh, Southeast Division, reached out to myself and to uh, Mayor Colin Bazaran of Kelowna and uh, asked us if uh, we would speak at the graduation of Troop 33 at Depot in Regina this summer. And, uh, you know, I think there's a number of reasons. Uh, One is that uh, both Kelowna and Camels are of the size that we pay for our RCM police Uh, but also we are recipients of a number of recruits and uh, the opportunity for uh, Mayor Bazran and myself to tour depot and get a better understanding of uh, the training that goes into uh, the uh, turning uh, Uh, people into RCM police officers I I think will be valuable but also to speak to those graduates that are about to embark on a career in law enforcement that might in fact be in Kamloops or in Kelowna I think is a unique opportunity so uh, they had a plane going from Green Timbers out to uh, Regina and we're just going to jump on and uh, Go out there and uh, and do that. I think it'd be a unique opportunity. Yeah, for I'm sure. Quite excited about it. Actually, is
1: there is there a recruitment part of it? I mean, is it is part of it to say, hey, look, uh, here's Kelowna, here's Kamloops, and. Uh uh, we'd love you to come to our community. I don't, I'm i not sure how that works. I'm pretty sure they assign them to wherever. They're not much choice, but yeah. is, is there a bit of
2: highlighting the communities involved in this? Or And certainly when you're coming out of Depot, you are assigned yeah. a lot of cho- choice there. But later on in your career, uh, there is a more opportunity to uh, bid, uh, you know, particularly for promotion. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, between the two of us, uh, fairly big detachments. When you start to take Surrey out of the mix, if that happens... You know, then you're really looking at uh, Burnaby, Richmond, Kelowna, Camels, Prince George as the big detachments in, in British Columbia now. And, uh, you know, it is our national police force, uh, a very proud history uh, in terms of law enforcement in Canada and uh, quite iconic. And And so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to this opportunity. I'm looking forward to meeting the instructors and, and uh, understanding uh, the training and uh, and talking to some of the new recruits. Interesting. Only got about a minute left. Just anything new on the cannabis front, to your knowledge, or no, as far as uh, getting a deal done? Uh, no, nothing uh, nothing yet. Uh, you know, they still seem to be uh, very slow, painfully slow, in terms of issuing the provincial approvals. Uh, we have 17 approved in Kamloops and, and only two licensed and operating at this point in time. Uh, And I believe uh, that that is because they just have not anticipated this supply issue and uh, this is becoming a real impediment in terms of uh, seeing this uh, roll out. I'm hearing uh, concerns from some people in the community who want
1: to be cannabis business owners who have secured sites, they're paying out some, some lease money which is not inexpensive uh, who are now pushing into a territory where they're under financial duress. Are, are you getting phone calls from some of these people at all? Or uh,
2: No, but I've heard the same thing. Uh, you know, the people, uh, young entrepreneurs uh, that uh, have uh, sought out opportunities in the cannabis business and, and, as you say, have made personal financial commitments with the idea that this was yeah. going to be a three-month process, and now they don't have the capacity to carry those loans six, eight, ten months. Yeah. So uh, I think the government needs to do better by them. Absolutely. Ken, uh, it's been a pleasure, sir. It has been a pleasure. You're a hell of a guy. I've mm-hmm.
1: enjoyed covering you over the years. So uh, that's Kamloops' American Christian, and we'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk to KCBIA's Carl DeSantis.
0: Local news now. Radio NL, 610 a.m. and RadioNL.com. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Shane Woodford on RadioNL.com.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to The Woodford Show. Real pleasure to be joined in studio this morning uh, from the Kamloops Central Business Improvement Association. Carl DeSantis, how are you, man? I am absolutely fantastic.
3: How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Countdown for you, buddy. <laughs> Countdown. So are, are we down to hours or are you still into the days? Uh, days. Still, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. Motions, okay. motions are starting to get a little raw. But anyway. I, I imagine. I'll give you a hug at the end of the show. Oh, I appreciate that. Right. That's good.
1: Hey, uh, brought you in because uh, first off, I saw your tweet a couple of days back when you went down to that uh, that opera down in Vegas, and I know you're a huge opera fan, uh, big big like, fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was a fan actually, yeah. but uh, apparently I am. Yeah. But anyway, you kind of you kind of put this out as like what an amazing experience, and how cool would that be if we could get that here in Camlos? Should we get a performing arts center one day? Um, I mean, we're this whole thing's in its infancy. We're kind of plodding forward on it, but uh, what's your sense about a where it's going, and be how important it is to the community, especially to the downtown.
3: I'll start with B. It is absolutely essential that we get this performing arts center uh, from all different lenses when you look at the opportunities for business downtown, yeah. and for the arts downtown, arts and culture, for tourism. It, it is going to be an absolutely fantastic addition to our, uh, to our uh, economy throughout the entire city, not just downtown. Um, and then uh, part A, you know, wh- where's this thing going? Uh, I understand now that there's uh, been a society formed, the uh, Kamloops Center for the Arts Society. I'm not, ins- not exactly sure all of the players in there, uh, but uh, certainly they are tasked with developing a business plan in consultation with Mr. Fawcett. And uh, sometime soon, presenting this business plan to the city. What is this going to look like uh, from a funding model, I understand? From your perspective, what what is
1: required to push this thing over the edge so that the, the, the community says yes, we want? Them. I mean, there's still, yeah. I still get a sense there's a there's a there's a group somewhere. I don't think there's a lot of them, but I think there's a group in the city that still is hung on the fact that we had a referendum, we dealt with it, and here we are again, and tax, and all that kind of usual stuff. Yeah. How do you get the community to turn this into a win?
3: You know, that's a great question. I think uh, right from the beginning, we have to continue to keep this this story going and be completely transparent transparent about the entire project, show the value, not just the, uh, the arts and culture value of which uh, we don't even need to speak. Of course, it's, uh, it's it, you know, understood that there would be uh, incredible value there. But the financial value, I understand that there's a five-to-one economic return on uh, performing arts centres uh, once they're developed. That yeah. is a significant story to tell. And uh, for the naysayers out there, the few of them, that's something that they should pay attention to, and it's certainly hard to push back on. Uh, looking down the road, uh, you know, there, I've, I've heard some uh, some of the arguments uh, against uh, such a project like this, and and they just don't make sense for this this time. Uh, you, you look at the the concert I went to, the the Bocelli concert. That's not a concert that uh, you're going to get here. And the Performing Arts Center, once introduced, it's not going to be a facility only for the symphony, only for theater. Yeah, it is going to be an opportunity for a Corey Hart who just played in Kamloops or a uh, clone Kelowna, Kelowna uh, a few days ago bypassed us because of facilities. No, We we get bypassed a lot. No, and uh, no. so it doesn't just have to be the uh, opera type of concert. It can be uh, rock, country, anybody else looking for a venue that this would suit. How do you think that, I mean, uh, let's assume this thing goes ahead for a second
1: and that we build it, and, it uh, and it's in the downtown core. In your mind, I mean, that's a pretty big change. Um, how would it alter sort of the downtown? Because now there's the potential to have you know, let's say a Corey Hart came to town, we had a major actor, mm-hmm. or, or whatever the deal is. But now there's a chance to have um, major sort of music theater events that would run through the week and on weeknights and that kind of thing. How do you think that would alter sort of the downtown? Could you, do you see an explosion of sort of more, uh, you know, cafes that are open late, maybe, you know, absolutely a more bars, like that kind of thing to get the spillover effect. Uh,
3: and absolutely. Uh, we're going to see more programming uh, later hours uh, to uh, support the, the different shows that you may see in the in the Performing Arts Center, you're going to see more vibrancy downtown, more people walking out and about uh, um, throughout the week, not just on certain days, Fridays or Saturdays. You're going to see the city attract um, doctors. I mean, I, and and I, I truly believe this is going to happen because uh, when you see the the void that we have right now and the capacity that they're in uh, increasing over at the Royal Inland Hospital. Yeah. That's done for a reason. I mean, we we're trying to support the medical needs of our population and uh, and the shortfalls that we have, and we clearly do have those shortfalls. Let's make this city a desirable place to attract professionals that we need, and uh, that's just going to do nothing but enhance our capacity from a physician standpoint as well. I think Kamloops is in an, an interesting place where five, ten years from now, we're going to see
1: a much different looking city than it is. Yeah, it's I agree. Kind of a growing. Yeah. I mean, there's some stalls and stuff, and some roadblocks and challenges and all that, but. Um, how do you see the downtown coming together? I mean, I, I love the Victoria Street part. We're seeing that extended now. Uh, hopefully some movement on Seymour. I assume if you get a performing arts center there, that would be a big kick in the pants to upgrade that particular section. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Do you see this downtown kind of going to a place that you, you, you're you you're excited about
3: or no? Extremely excited. Uh, you know, there's a, I think we're on the cusp of a small, big city to a big, small city. And um, the, th- yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think there is a difference. You know, we're over that hundred thousand threshold, right around that bubble, and care, uh, yeah. and it's a rising tide. And with that rising tide, we're going to see the businesses, uh, the services downtown, the developments all going up together. And uh, it's a really exciting time for what we're going to see in the future with the uh, Performing Arts Center. Uh, Some of the other conversations that we've been part of, uh, the downtown plan, uh, that will be soon presented to Council. I've been part of that since its inception and there are really exciting conversations and uh, plans that will be presented, uh, hopefully be approved, uh, including well Performing Arts Centre we've just talked about, including uh, the public market, including a uh, public walking space downtown. Lots of initiatives that uh, are going to support the future, the next 20 or so years of the city. Totally out of curiosity. If there was something you could add tomorrow to the downtown that's not there now, what would that be? Wow. That's a great question. (laughs) Uh, It really is. And uh, you know what? I'll give them a plug, I am I ride motorcycles, I'm a Harley guy yeah. and uh, I think that uh, it would be fantastic to have, not a dealership downtown, we've got one up on the hill, yeah. but a, a, an outlet where you can come down, uh, our, our rocky passengers and whatnot could stop in, grab shirts, grab things, I, I would go there, I'd shop there, I've got uh, way more <laughs> Harley shirts than I need already. <laughs> But uh, that would be that's right near the top of the list uh, because I think that would be a really good way to get people out uh, downtown. Uh, something you wanted to talk about? Uh, apparently, you guys are working with uh,
1: Tekemloops First Nation on a bit of a of an interesting venture. What's what's going on there?
3: Well, they've got a great program going to support their youth, and it's a, a nine week tourism ambassador program. Yeah. It, it's a it's a course for uh, for their uh, youth to develop them to prepare them from the business and tourism perspective. Uh, their their students. They're going to be graduating here shortly and in advance of that, uh, there's a practicum opportunity and we're going to be taking one or two students downtown, I say one or two because we're not sure yet, I'll <laughs> take them both. And uh, it'll be fantastic because they're going to work side by side with our CAP team over a period of three weeks and uh, it's a great opportunity to share their, uh, their knowledge about uh, Indigenous tourism and uh, traditions and culture. And share that not just with uh, our tourists, but with our, my own team, the CAP team and our businesses downtown. So look forward to seeing them downtown. They'll so be like a bit of like a tour guide thing or how do you see that sort of working? I, I, I see that in many different ways, a tour guide, yes, uh, you know, an ambassador for the, uh, for the traditions and cultures for, yeah. the, uh, for the lands. But I also see them uh, as a really great way to engage um, some of our vulnerable populations downtown as well through uh, some of the course, courses that they've completed. Uh, the things that they've learned, and they're going to work uh, with the CAP team. Yeah. They'll look like CAP team members. They're going to be dressed in red. And uh, I, I think this is a fantastic opportunity, and I hope that we'll be able to retain a few of them. That'd be awesome. I'm, oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I travel I travel quite a bit, and I know you do too.
1: It's so funny. You go to other countries, and there's so many tourism opportunities around, you know, the, the different populations and the history and all this stuff, right? And I often wonder why there isn't more sort of tourism initiatives or... or avenues for First Nations culture and, you know, go to of attend like a potluck or a ceremony, like whatever the deal is. But sure. there seems to be a real absence here for the ability for a tourist to come from, I don't know, pick a country out of the air, like come from Slovakia yeah. and then, you know, get a sense of what First Nations culture is in Canada, you know, and be it here, there or anywhere. I've all, I don't know. I've always been kind of stimulated
3: by that opportunity not there. There's a little tidbit, but not... I think I agree 11, with you. I think it enhan- could be enhanced greatly and uh, hopefully that's something we see down the road. Maybe that'll be an outcome from this uh, tourism ambassador program that they're running. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um there's a gentleman downtown, Ben James. I
1: think anyone's wandered around downtown. What a I guy. Saw him. Yep. Um he's uh he's a he's a young man, uh, always picking up garbage, cleaning up stuff. He gets right down into the, like the cracks of the sidewalk sometimes. He's relentless. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's he's an interesting cat, but uh, something happened yesterday. You and I were out for drinks yes. and uh Water, and wasn't Kathy it? Sinclair Came up and presented uh, presented a certificate from council to Ben for all of his work downtown. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so Kathy, on behalf of council, presented the certificate signed by uh, by our mayor, and it was in recognition of his uh, Ben's dedication in helping to keep our downtown clean. And uh, you know, there's not a lot that uh, that we can do to really extend uh, uh, appreciation, but this is a guy that is so well known in the community. He receives yeah. a lot of attention from uh, from our locals. Which is uh, just fantastic. He expects nothing. He appreciates everything. He is so polite. He's courteous. He's got his own personal setbacks. Uh, you know, and he's not shy about talking about them. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that uh, they, uh, we've uh, engaged to uh, hire for different events to help us as well uh, occasionally. Uh, and I really hope that our downtown community continues to support and appreciate everything he does. Yeah, he seemed kind of genuinely.
1: Um, I don't want to say blown. Anyway, he seemed. Really he was awestruck, kind of, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a little bit. Uh, he was a little bit struck by the whole thing. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah we took a few photos, and uh, they've been making the rounds on uh, Twitter, and uh, and that's great. Great. So if you see Ben out there, uh, pat him on the back and say thank you. How how are you finding the whole downtown sort of?
1: transient homeless situation sort of a, as a as an pretty assignment. quiet
3: it, it, it's almost like a silent night all is calm right now <laughs> <laughs> you know there, there's certainly uh individuals we see more regular than others but uh but it's relatively quiet not a lot of uh concerns brought to my attention uh, there's always minor issues here and there but uh with the support of our cap team and uh, some of the things that they do we're we're addressing them Awesome. Carl, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Hey, listen, before you go, I just want to extend a thanks on behalf of downtown, myself personally, for everything that you have done and the relationships that you've supported. Uh, I know you're off to a new adventure here in a few days to yeah. Denmark. You're going to be missed. Yeah, uh, I'll miss, and I'll miss this place and, and you guys too. And you know it? what? Uh, I know that uh, this really isn't goodbye. It's see you later, yeah. and we'll see you. We look forward to getting you back yeah. here.
1: Thanks, man. It's been awesome.
3: Cheers. Carl
1: DeSantis from the Camelot Central Business
3: Improvement Association. We'll
1: be right back on The Woodford Show right after this.
0: Radio NL, NL RadioNL.com, local news now. You're listening to Shane Woodford on Radio NL 6 10 a.m. and Radio NL.com.
1: Yesterday on this show, UBCM president and Camel's counselor, Arjun Singh, talked about the controversy that's simmering away over a uh, reception held by China at the annual UBCM convention every year. Uh, some critics saying, listen, in light of some of the things China's doing to Canada, it's time to wake up and, uh, and drop this thing. Something they're going to consider next month. As an aside to that, and... and uh, Camel of South Toddstone Todd Stone raising the issue that uh, the Liberals can't get on the agenda of this thing they, unless they pay up some sponsorship dollars, which would be taxpayer money paying up for a local government association and also using taxpayer money there. Uh, he says it doesn't make sense. Uh, took issue with that. I asked Arjun Singh about it and he basically wrote it off saying, listen, that's the policy, we've got to be nonpartisan as we can. Had a chance to connect with Todd Stone to follow up on what he thought of Arjun Singh's comments and he joins me now. Uh, you obviously heard what Arjun Singh had to say, You a uh, uh, sort of a, a parallel issue on this whole China thing, UBCM. Uh, you want to know why it is that uh, in your case, Liberals have to pay to play to get put on the agenda here. Uh, Mr. Singh says, uh, well, nothing wrong with that. I mean, we've got to be as nonpartisan as possible, and, you know, you guys aren't really part of our main agenda. you got to do your own thing. What do you think?
4: Well, the uh, the original mandate of the UBCM, uh, which, which continues to be the core mandate today, is to uh, pull together local government uh, elected officials around the province uh to uh, to advocate for uh for provincial policy and provincial legislation uh which is in the best interest of local government uh, to that effect there are 87 members of british columbia's legislature uh Forty-two of them, the, the largest uh, share uh, of, of the current complement of MLAs, are, are BC Liberal caucus members in the official opposition. Uh, so, uh, at the point that Arjun Singh is missing in all of this is uh, it is it is preposterous to actually lump the official opposition into the same uh, the same uh, bag as uh, Terrason and BC Hydro, uh, let alone the People's Republic of China, in so far as uh, treating us uh, the same from a sponsorship perspective. Uh, we are elected officials, uh, 42 of the 87, in, in B.C.'s legislature. And one would think uh, that uh, Arjun would want uh, to uh, facilitate uh, the best possible uh, opportunities for engagement at the UBCM convention with government members of the legislature and opposition members of the legislature. Uh, so uh, it, that certainly will not happen uh, if, if he continues uh, to, uh, to, uh, to enforce uh, a UBCM policy uh, requirement, uh, sponsorship requirement, that uh, uh, that uh, elected members of the official opposition uh, have to pay uh, uh, with taxpayers' money to uh, uh, to facilitate that engagement uh, between our provincially elected officials and the locally elected officials at the UBCM.
1: So, what's the solution? I mean, I, in a, in an ideal world, from your perspective, Todd, do you just allow uh, the provincial parties to put their stuff on the agenda without? Without any kind of payment, I mean, what what ideally would be the solution here?
4: Well, the the ideal solution here is that uh, Arjun um, draws upon his uh, his his experience and expertise uh, in collaboration, uh, which he talks about all the time, uh, and uh, and recognizes that part of collaboration uh, means uh, you know pulling pulling people together and and. Uh, and being willing to uh, to change past practices and, ch- and past protocols, and and uh, be, being willing to engage in compromise, uh, notwithstanding whatever the the UBCM sponsorship policy has been for the last several decades, uh, it it needs to be changed. I think as we're seeing uh, in the case of uh, the uh, the People's Republic of China sponsoring a, a reception uh, for six thousand dollars per year, uh, and uh, and and the official opposition being uh, being uh, being told that we can't. Uh, best facilitate engagement uh, with the UBCM uh, unless we uh, we put sponsorship dollars on the table too. Clearly, these are requirements that uh, uh, that that are in need of being updated, modernized, whatever you want to call it, and, and that's what I'm 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 asking Arjun to to serious, con- uh, seriously consider. He is the president of the UBCM uh, for the balance of this year, right through till uh, about September. Uh, I'm the Municipal Affairs Critic we both are Kamloopsians, we've, we, we, we've known each other and worked uh, together for years, surely to goodness uh, two Kamloopsians uh, are in positions of uh, being able to, to, to solve this, uh, this impact and, and, and actually change a policy, work together to make it better for the future, um, uh, surely we can make that happen. So that's what I'm asking Arjun to, uh, to consider, uh, I think we should uh, take care of this as soon as possible.
1: What did you think today when Arjun Singh said, listen, uh, we let municipal politicians into this convention for free, Uh, we give the different leaders uh, center stage, they can each have keynote addresses on separate days, we highlight them that way, but other than that, they're not really part of the local government process, therefore, we deal with them the way we do. Does that make sense to you or no?
4: Well, there's a couple flaws in Arjun's uh, logic there. Uh, First off, uh, he's flat wrong uh, when he suggested that... uh, uh, provincial elected MLA's uh, pay registration fees. We don't, uh, or that they waive registration fees. Uh, uh, the UBCM doesn't waive the registration fees for um, for elected uh, members of the legislature. We pay those fees uh, to attend, which is fine. And we're, we're certainly willing to do that. Uh, but the point here is it doesn't matter uh, if you're in government or you're in opposition. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a BC Liberal or a New Democrat. There are 87 elected members of the legislature who convene twice a year uh, to um, uh, to debate uh, and consider changes uh, to British Columbia's laws or to pass new laws, many of which uh, greatly impact local government. So I would think it would be uh, viewed uh, by the UBCM as in their interest to, uh, to want to best facilitate, uh, a, 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 the, the most opportune engagement opportun- opportunities, uh, with all members of the legislature, not just, uh, government members. Um, if there's a change in government, uh, in, in a year or two or three, uh, and, uh, you know, we find ourselves back in, back in, in government, um, I would, I would uh, be saying the exact same thing. I, I think it doesn't matter who that official opposition is. They should not have to pay a sponsorship fee with taxpayers' dollars uh, to, to best uh, engage uh, with locally elected officials at the uh, UBCM convention. Uh, we're all policymakers. We are, we are all responsible for uh, uh, the laws that impact local government uh, in this province. Uh, and so, um, anything we can do to to fill rooms of uh, MLAs and uh, mayors and councillors and and regional uh, directors uh, to to debate and discuss and, and update one another on uh, on what's going on uh, locally and and the impacts of uh, you know, p- potential changes to laws is is a very good thing. Uh, and you know, certainly, again, Arjun is in a position uh, as the UBCM president and with his um, his background and focus on. Uh, governance and collaboration, and, and uh, you know, uh, compromise and so forth, uh, of all people uh, that uh, that I that I can think about, there surely Arjun, uh, you know, can and uh, he's he's personally equipped um, to uh, to work with me to to fix this this policy moving forward, so that we can have the best possible uh, engagement uh, at the upcoming UBCM convention.
1: Uh, and just uh, with that topic aside, but still sort of on UBC, I'm just out of curiosity. Uh, Arjun told me that uh, the executives going to meet in July and discuss this whole China reception sponsorship money thing. Uh, with that uh, in focus, Todd, do you think that there needs to be a change here or no?
4: Well, again, the, the the decision on this will be made uh, by the UBCM, uh, and uh, you know that that uh, that that's not going to uh, that's not going to change with you know anything that, to that, that that I say or the opposition says. Other than we've we've I think made our case pretty pretty strongly, uh, pretty clearly to Arjun and to the UBCM that uh, while we greatly value the work that they do we greatly value uh, the, uh, the, the the advocacy and and uh, uh, the, the the impact of of um, uh, of the hours and hours of work that uh, that locally elected officials put in every day of, of every week on behalf of uh, the, the citizens of British Columbia um, MLAs of the legislature represent those exact same citizens and uh, and, and therefore, you know, let's uh, let's make sure that that there's no policies, no protocols that stand in the way of uh, of maximizing uh, engagement uh, uh, between uh, provincial elected officials and and locally elected officials. So, uh, I, I'm I'm confident that uh, that Arjun and I, again, both as Kamloopsians, um, we can we can fix this problem. Uh, and I would hope that uh, that Arjun has added this. Uh, uh, this uh, perplexing uh, you know, sponsorship requirement for, for opposition MLAs uh, to uh, the UBCM executives' uh, uh, meeting in July uh, for uh, for potential change.
1: Camel of South MLA Community Affairs critic Todd Stone there, taking exception to the fact that Liberals would have to pay a sponsorship fee to UBCM in order to get on the agenda for some of the events they want to hold at the UBCM convention. And that brings an end this edition of The Woodford Show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again right here on Radio Now, same time tomorrow.
0: Logan Lake, 98.1 Blue River, 97.5 Ebola. From CHNL in Kamloops, a Stingray radio station. This is Radio NL 610 AM. Local news now.